passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching our region and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Jordan Gowing. Amen. Merry Christmas. One of the unique things that we've been able to do as a multi-campus church for the last uh, several weeks during Advent is we've been able to share uh, Advent readings from Spencer uh, attendees with the people at our Spirit Lake campus and then also vice versa, some Spirit Lake attendees sharing uh, from an Advent devotional with us. And so it's an, an incredible opportunity for us to, even though we are separated by 30 miles, actually they are worshiping right now as well, going through the same passage that we are going through this evening as well. And I want to start tonight with asking you a question. And that question is this, where does your hope lie? Where does your hope lie? For some of us, we place our hope in our family, in our spouses, or in our children. For others of us, we place our hope, our trust in our jobs, in our financial security. And for some of us, we just place our hope in ourselves. We think that we can take it. We can make it through whenever something bad comes our way. And we'll just figure it out on our own. And still others of us, we've just completely given up hope. We've placed our trust, our hope in someone else, and they've let us down, and now we have no hope. There's no place to run to. This passage this morning, or this evening, I guess, I'm so used to saying this morning, this passage that we looked at and and our worship team read to us is all about where our hope lies. The Christmas message is all about where our hope lies. And as we open up Luke chapter 2 this evening, that's the question that God wants us to wrestle through. Where have we placed our hope? Where have we placed our trust? Because every single verse of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21, shout at us, saying that Jesus alone is the hope of the world. Jesus alone is the only place that we can run to for hope, the only person that we can trust in that won't let us down. And as we jump into this text this morning, I want us to latch onto that. I want that that to to dwell in our hearts. What we're going to be doing this evening is we're going to be looking just at verses 8 through 14. Our worship team uh, read the entire passage to us earlier, and so we know what's happened beforehand where Mary has given birth to Jesus. And we're going to zero in just on these few verses, verses 8 through 14. And so if you have a Bible or if you have your sermon uh, little bullets and handout, I invite you to follow along here starting in verse 8. We're actually just going to read verse 8 here at the beginning. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. See, right here at the very beginning of this section, Luke instantly tries to grab our attention, because this isn't something that you would expect in the story about the birth of the king of the world. You wouldn't expect shepherds to come onto the scene. Back in that day, shepherds were on the outside of society. They were despicable. They were worthless. They were considered to be a necessary evil by the people of that day. They provided food, they provided clothing, and they even provided sacrifices for the temple. But no one wanted to be around them. 
In fact, Jewish purity laws said that they were unclean, which meant that they couldn't worship God. Later on in Jewish tradition, they actually said that shepherds were so untrustworthy that they, were un- they weren't allowed to testify in court because they couldn't be trusted. And so in the story about the birth of Jesus, about God coming to humanity to dwell among us, this is the last thing that you would expect to happen. And yet it t- teaches us a lot about what God is like. See, 1 Samuel sixteen seven tells us that God looks at the heart not at the outward appearance. God isn't consumed with outer appearances. He's focused on the heart. He doesn't have favorites. He's not impressed by our money. He's not impressed by how many Christmas cards we have on our fridge showing how popular we are. God looks at the heart. And as we study what it means to place our hope in Jesus, that's an important place for us to start. Let's continue picking up in verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. All right, so we have in verses 1 through 7, we have the news that Mary has given birth to Jesus in a stable. And then something crazy happens, and that's when the shepherds come onto the scene. And then something even crazier happens in verse 9, and that's when the angels appear. Now, it's been a while. In fact, I've never seen an angel in my life. And so this is pretty unique stuff that is happening right here in this verse. What Luke is trying to get at and trying to tell us is that God is doing something special right here on this evening, thousands of years ago in Bethlehem. God is at work. You see, everyone in that day, when they would have read this story from Luke's gospel, they would have known what was taking place in the Old Testament. They would have known how God was at work saving his people out of Egypt and when they were slaves in Egypt, how God had raised up King David and had given him uh, conquer, had, had allowed him to conquer all of his enemies, how God had brought victory and deliverance from all of the many enemies throughout the years of the kingdom of Israel. But here, it's been over 400 years since God has spoken. It's been centuries since God has been at work. The people of Israel longed for someone to come and deliver them. They longed for someone to come and lead them out of the Roman oppression that they experienced. And what Luke is saying here is that it's significant that an angel has appeared because God is at work once more. God is doing things once more. See, in the Old Testament, when an angel appeared, there was this little order of of the ways that things happen. First, the angel would appear. Second, after that, the person the angel appeared to would be really scared. Uh, Pretty natural response, if you ask me. After that, the angel would say, do not fear. And then the final thing was that the angel would deliver a message and give them a sign. Well, if you look at this story in verses 8 through 14, an angel appears. 
Then after that, the shepherds are terrified. This is followed by the angel saying, do not fear. And then finally saying, I bring you good news of great joy. I bring you a message. And a sign for you will be this, a little baby in a manger in Bethlehem. Luke is telling us that God is at work. And I want to zero in on one little phrase of what it means for God to be at work for us. And that is what the angel says at the very beginning. He says, I bring you good news of great joy. I bring you good news of great joy. Another way to say this is the angel was saying, I bring you the gospel of great joy. See, the word gospel, which is admittedly it's a Christian word that has a lot of Christian connotations, literally simply just means good news. The angel is telling the shepherds the good news that although the relationship between us and God was damaged and there was a a gap between us that we were unable to to cross, God decided to come to earth in the person of Jesus, lived a sinless life, died as a substitute for us, and rose from the grave to make it possible for us to dwell with him once more. And that's what the angel is getting at when the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. Friends, that is where our hope should be, in that good news. And that is what should bring us great joy. But you may be wondering, well, that's just the Christmas story. And you said this is going to ask us where our hope lies. Where, where does that come into play here? Well, I, I want to zero in on what the angel said. Really just go verse by verse and look at what the angel said. And from there, we'll look at how that tells us to examine our hearts and, and to work on looking at where our hope lies. And so we're just going to go uh, back through this passage one more time, looking at first uh, verse 10. It says this, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Remember the context of what's taking place here. When our worship team earlier read Luke chapter 2, verse 1, they said this took place during the days of Caesar Augustus. This is taking place when Caesar Augustus rules really the entire known world. The Roman Empire stretched for thousands of miles. He ruled the entire empire with absolute authority. Interestingly, in the Roman Empire, every year on Caesar's birthday, people would celebrate. People would have a giant party for Caesar. And this was called good news of great joy. You may ask, well, why? Why was it good news of great joy that Caesar had come and that it was his birthday? Well, Caesar was considered to be a son of the gods. He was sent from the gods to reign and to rule on the earth and to protect the people of the Roman Empire. What Luke is saying is quite different. On Jesus' birthday, there is truly good news of great joy. It's not that Caesar has come, but it's because Jesus has come. Let's continue reading, looking at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. See, the reason why the people of the Roman Empire celebrated Caesar is because he was their savior. In fact, the people of the Roman Empire actually called Caesar Savior. 
from Spain all the way into the Middle East and beyond and the stretches of the Roman Empire, the people of the Roman Empire rejoiced because their Savior lived and his name was Caesar. But that's not what Luke says. Luke tells us something different, that there has been born to you this day a Savior in a small, insignificant, backwater town called Bethlehem. Christ the Lord is your Savior. Let's reread verse 11 one more time. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, Caesar wasn't just called Savior. He was also called Lord by the people of the Roman Empire. He was their Lord. He was the one who ruled with absolute authority. He was the one who everyone answered to because it was his kingdom. He was Savior, but he was also Lord to the Roman people. But Luke, again, is saying not so fast. Caesar isn't Savior. Caesar isn't Lord. This little baby laying in the hay is Christ the Lord. Let's keep reading, looking at verse 12. And this baby will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. See, the, the news that Caesar was Savior, the, new, the news that Caesar was Lord, was known throughout the entire Roman Empire because there was a giant choir that would actually follow him around and begin singing his praises, telling everyone about how great Caesar was, telling everyone about this good news of great joy that Caesar had come. And what Luke is saying here is, you think that that human choir is impressive. Well, look what Jesus has. Jesus has multitudes of heavenly hosts singing his praises, worshiping him. Caesar isn't the Lord. Caesar isn't Savior. Caesar isn't worthy of worship. Jesus is. And finally, in verse 14, it says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The people of the Roman Empire believed that Caesar had brought them peace. There was a period here when Caesar Augustus ruled that was called the Pax Romana or the Roman peace. It was a time that had never been experienced before in world history. It was a time where there was peace in the world. And that peace was brought through Caesar, through his fear and through his oppression. People were just too afraid to revolt against Caesar. But what Luke is saying is that the peace Jesus brings is, is far greater than that. See, everything that Luke is telling us in this verse is that the people of Rome got it wrong. They looked at Caesar as their hope. They looked at Caesar as the one who brought good news because of his birth. They looked at Caesar as their savior, as their Lord, as the one who was worthy of worship and able to deliver them. And what Luke is saying here is, is really, it's treason. If Caesar read Luke chapter 2, Luke would have been put to death. Because he's saying that Caesar is not the hope of the world. Jesus is. Jesus alone is the one who can save us. Jesus alone is Lord. Jesus alone is the place where you should put your trust. 
Today in, in our lives, we don't put our hope in Caesar like the Roman Empire did. But we place our hope in many different things. We place our hope in our family, as I mentioned earlier, in our money, in our stuff. Luke chapter 2 tells us that if that's what we've done, if that's where we've placed our hope, then we will be put to shame. That Jesus alone is the hope of the world. And that's really what Christmas is about. That Jesus has come to earth. That God has come to dwell among humanity. And as he lives among us, he gives us hope. He gives us peace. Because he will deliver us and he will save us. That's the good news of Christmas. That Jesus alone is the hope of the world. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the hope of the world. We thank you that you are so good to us, that you came as a little baby and that you lived among us. And God, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus tonight, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus tomorrow, I pray that that truth would ring in our hearts, that we would place our hope and our trust in you and in you alone. Jesus, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. More of Pastor Jordan's sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thanks for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.